for this retreat, it's going to be this theme, this theme of this residency, which is playing with perception and starting to understand how our minds perceive experience, how the mind co-creates the world moment after moment. And that was one of the, the points I kept on coming back to in that last talk is, is experience is co-created. The mind is at play with experience. And in Theravada Buddhism, I mentioned, or in early Buddhism, it, it undermines the notion that out there, there's some objective reality. That, that the world is co-created with the mind. And this has so many implications for our, our spiritual practice. And one of the examples I gave, and uh, just to reflect on this right now, is if you just notice what world you're walking through during the day, it's something to be aware of just on this retreat at times. Sometimes it's a world that feels threatening. Sometimes it's a world that feels like it's filled with lovely creatures and lovely people. Sometimes it's a sacred world. Sometimes it's a world that is continually getting in your way. Sometimes it's a world of suffering. Sometimes it's a world of ease and spaciousness. Sometimes it's a world that feels scattered and disjointed. And all of those worlds, they're co-created with the mind. And I also pointed out that it's not only created by the mind, it's co-created. And this is really important. It's, 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 it's a, a co-arising. It's not only created by the mind. And I think this is so important. And we're gonna come back to this because it situates what we're doing here to get a sense of this. And the other thing I went over with you is that hopefully in this residency, we're gonna step out of being confined by what William Blake called a single vision, as if there's one way of perceiving our experience. Because so much of that single vision can be wrapped up of there's some kind of objective reality that I can start to see all the time. It's really so confining. So practicing expanding our ways of perceiving, getting a kind of fluidity, fluidity a malleability in our hearts and our bodies around how we, how we perceive. And probably the, the most important thing for this residency is uh, to remember with all these explorations, since every moment of experience is co-created, it means you can influence the flavor of the world that you're inhabiting, but you can't control it. This is so important. And this uh, is something that the Buddha refers to just in terms of this path in the Dhammapada. He says, uh, irrigators channel water. Fletchers shape the arrow shaft. Carpenters bend wood, and the wise fashion themselves. And what I appreciate about this, this quote is, is that 
we're, we're here and we're working with a certain medium. And yeah, as a result that every moment of experience is co-created with the mind, it's, it, it shows that I have agency in how I engage or the world that's in front of me really deep agency, but I can't control it. It's going to be in part mediated by the, the medium I'm using. Like if you, if you think of uh, clay, working with clay, what you create out of that clay and how it's going to look is in part shaped by that medium, that particular uh, quality of clay that's there. If you're making a pot or something like that. So to remember that, this is why it's such an art, is to be responsive to kind of the, the clay that we're, we're, we're um, shaping. Okay, so that's the backdrop. The first exploration that we're going to be doing for really the entirety of the morning is um, exploring ways of perceiving that support samadhi. So I'm going to talk about what samadhi is and what it means. And then I'm gonna give you a few different ways of exploring this that, um, that you might uh, find helpful. This word, Pali word, it's also the, the same word in Sanskrit, samadhi is often translated as concentration Yet, and you'll hear me say uh, say concentration when I'm referring to samadhi, but I, I don't think it's the best translation and it can be misleading. And, and hopefully with the analogy I give you, you'll hear why it can be so misleading. I think I like to translate it more about it's, it's the unification of the mind or a sense of collectedness or when the mind's stabilized. So again, unification of the mind, quality of collectedness in the mind, or the mind feeling stabilized. And the example I give to get a sense of this is like, if you imagine a whole group of people in a room and there's someone up front speaking, and if everyone was paying attention to the speaker, we could say, quote unquote, in that room, there's a lot of samadhi, like the room is unified around one experience around the, the speaker. Oh, then there's a lot of samadhi, right? It's all collected, it's unified, it's, it's stabilized around this one experience. And if you had maybe 70% of the people speak, listening to the speaker and then other groups of people doing their own thing, there'd still be quite a bit of samadhi, but it wouldn't be as unified. And then if there was just small groups of people speaking to one another and you only had a small fraction of them paying attention to the, to the speaker and all the other ones are paying attention to different things, there's not much samadhi. It's, it's kind of like the, the room is scattered. It's divided in some manner, their attention. And just in the same way, we could say there's a lot of samadhi. Samadhi is quite deep when the entire mind is, is collected around one experience. And that experience can be really small or it can be really broad, but there's a quality of unification in the mind. And then when there's not much samadhi, it feels like there's all these different parts. And maybe you can relate to this, right? You ever notice when your mind feels really scattered in meditation? Oh, there's just not a lot of samadhi there. 
And then there's going to be varying degrees of this. So let's, um, let's take this analogy a bit further because it's going to show us what we want to explore. So let's say you have a bunch of people in a room. Let's say it's a bunch of kids in a room. It'd be like first grade, second grade. I'm just thinking of that because maybe you can relate to that. Doesn't sometimes the mind feel like like a first grade classroom? Maybe <laughs> I haven't had much. I, I I only once taught in a first grade classroom. I was substitute teaching. It was I was quite new to substitute teaching, and it was the day that they were um, for some reason what was assigned was painting with watercolors, and it was both sweet and uh, a complete wreck. There was at the end of the, the class, I mean, this is just one class. There was literally paint all over the classroom in every single kind of way, not only on their papers. I think there was more paint off their papers than on their papers. And they were so like, I had absolutely no control whatsoever. They were really excited. All of them wanted me, wanted to show me what they were painting all at the same time. And, uh, Sometimes the mind can feel like that, doesn't it? <laughs> Things go in all different directions. So with Samadhi, we wanna see if we can have something a little bit different than my experience, even though it was fun to have a little bit different than paint all over the place. And so you imagine, here's the mind, like a first grade classroom. And there's two ways you could say, I want to divide it kind of oversimplify it, to get a group of kids to pay attention. One is you can pressure and threaten them to pay attention. It's kind of the schooling I think I got, <laughs> right? And I want to say it, it works. It worked for me, you know, if I feel threatened or, or um, pressured, I'm gonna pay attention and it can look like the classroom is unified. And there is a quality where, where, where the classroom is like paying attention to one thing. And yet for Samadhi, we're looking for something different in our minds. Cause the other way is to support like a classroom to feel relaxed and at ease to allow them to feel a bit of safety and pleasure. And then when you combine that with supporting them and being interested in what's going on in the classroom, that's a whole different flavor of a unified classroom, don't you think? They might look the same on the surface, but they're radically different. And we're looking for this, to cultivate the second one. The second one is actually harder. Why, 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 do, uh, why is uh, pressure and threatening so appealing? Is because it's effective quickly, but it doesn't last very long and it doesn't go very deep. And it's the same exact thing with Samadhi. It takes longer to really land pleasure and support and ease and well-being, but it's so much more stable. 
And then what I find is samadhi in its deeper levels have the, has this really profound healing quality to it because there's a sense of well-being and harmony that the whole heart, body, and mind start to feel through unification. So this is what we're, we're going to be doing is we're going to just be taking the first steps to unify and collect that little classroom in your mind. And in particular, uh, what I want to emphasize is this exploration of ease, relaxation, and wholesome, non-addictive pleasure. You can say ease, using a lot of words for that. And then the second piece is curiosity. Remember, those are the two pieces in the classroom that's going to allow for, for a unification. And what we're going to get to is you're going to be doing this in part by playing with perception. As I say this, I want to be super clear what I'm not saying. I'm not primarily emphasizing focusing your mind, paying attention, being present. If those things happen, great, they're good things. But I find it radically different to begin with really gaining the skill of being easeful, of relaxing, of cultivating curiosity. Have you, have you ever noticed this in your meditation that it can be like, okay, how can I get my mind to be present? And that's where we begin. And it's like, we, we set up this fight of like, it's paying attention, then it's not paying attention. Then hopefully we get it on the breath a little bit longer. And that can be our whole assessment of our entire meditation career of how much the mind is paying attention. Do you see what gets passed over if that gets emphasized too much? Okay, so how to play with perception around this in a way that uh, helps with it. So uh, a few things. One is, is and I, you know, I'm going to give you a couple things, and then I invite you to maybe just play with one or two of them, maybe a few that, that resonate. But again, to keep the list small so there's space to sense into different ways of perceiving. One way is how you're perceiving time. Remember, time is a perception. It arises dependent upon the mind. There's no like time out there. There's a very particular sense of time that comes with the human mind that's different for different creatures. And often what I find is the stumbling block for the beginning uh, kind of conditions for samadhi when I'm meditating is when I feel like I don't have enough time. You ever notice this? But, but that's just a perception as if there's some quantity of time. That's just one way of perceiving time that it's a commodity and you have a lot of it or you don't have much of it. This morning, what would it be like to perceive 
that you have a lot of time. Even if you just have like three minutes, it's like, oh, wow, so much time. Wow, it feels so spacious. Oh yeah, I just like can settle right now. So hopefully you're hearing when I'm, when I'm inviting you to quote unquote perceive, that means to fully feel. It's not just to think I have enough time. It's like, what does that feel like in the body? Like having the primary instrument of perception being the entire body in this way. To fully take it in, wow. Yeah, just so much time. And the art of this just around spacious time is it's not like, again, it's so difficult, isn't it? Sometimes to describe an art of some form because it's a lot of times not the words, the exact words to describe it. But for me, it's not like I'm trying to make this perception happen. For me, it feels like more like I'm allowing this perception of of time to percolate into my heart and my body. So that's one, perceiving time differently. And what we're gonna be doing a little while is just to be really clear about the specifics is we're gonna have a kind of open, kind of walking meditation, but kind of an open one hour space where you, for you to explore this kind of in walking, or you might wanna do some movement like yoga to play around with how you're perceiving time. And again, even if it's two or three or four or five minutes. That's one. The second one is um, to go maybe for a walk. You can do the first one, of course, going for a walk. And start to become curious of how you can start to feel like imbibing or, or imbibing or breathing in ease and relaxation. So sometimes it's perceiving the parts of the body that feel easeful, relaxed, and, and imagining that growing, that feeling. Right, so it's that exploration. And combined with this, sometimes what I'll do is it's like, I'm, I'm allowing the natural world to share with me how to experience ease and relaxation and stability and stillness. And for me, it's like around trees, like trees, like I feel like from my perception, they're like always teaching me something about samadhi. they're teaching me through their embodiment what it is to be still, to be patient, to be quiet. They teach me what it is to feel rooted. they reveal to me a kind of silence that I can only discover in experiences of samadhi. What would it be like to perceive that a plant or a tree 
is conveying to you something about samadhi and not only to think it, not for it to come in through the words in your head, but to feel what's being conveyed. And I want to be clear, like the word is still out about like if trees are conveying wisdom to us or not. There has been no scientific study that has been made that dismisses that idea. Since science has a materialistic kind of assumption to it, it just can't even be studied in some way. So this is what's important around playing with perception as a side note here. I'm not saying that that's true and I'm not saying it's not true. And for me to play with perception, I need to like let go of this concern of, is this really true or is it not true? That creates a single vision. And of course, I want to distinguish this just because of the, the current culture we're in. This is different than lying or bending facts so that you can grab power. That's, that's as I was talking about Wednesday night, that's a distorted perception because it leads to suffering. I'm talking about something really different. So just make sure not to conflate these two, but to play, to play with this mysterious world that we live in. Okay, so first one, perception of time. There's no like one objective perception of time. Right. Thank you, Einstein, time is fluid. <laughs> Second one, playing with perception in this way of like feeling ease and relaxation in the body, perceiving that, allowing it to grow, imagine it filling the body in some way. Maybe for some of you, trees and plants sharing this wisdom to you. And again, I wanna be clear, I, I'm just inviting you, not all of this is gonna work for you. I, I, I wanna be careful, like that's the thing about perception, I'm not, I don't wanna also demand that you perceive the world in a particular way. I'm just inviting some flexibility and I, I don't know what's gonna resonate for you. And then yeah, maybe one more, we'll see here. Maybe we'll do more than one. And then the last one, which I find helpful is to uh, sometimes just taking some time to perceive like that you're hearing, even if there's sounds going on, that you're hearing like this, this silence that pervades every moment of experience. And it, it maybe just take a moment right now. It's like really becoming curious about if you can hear silence right now. even if there's sounds that you can hear, almost like a silence underneath them.
Can you hear that silence? A little bit of a sense of a silence there. And if you'd be willing, I don't know if you don't have to, but if you'd be willing, maybe just to put in the chat, what do you notice when you really hear silence, even when I'm speaking? What's that like? What's the feeling that comes when you slow down and try to hear silence? What's that like? Hopefully the chat's on. Let me make sure. I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, relaxation, interesting. Softness, depth. Yeah, this is what comes sometimes for some people with this perception. Yeah, groundedness, quietness, undercurrent of peace. Great, calm. Silence is everywhere and all pervasive. Yeah, that feeling of that. Yeah. Silence is the canvas, your voice is the color or shape. Yeah, continuity, pervasiveness. Bigger than the noises, oh, I love it, width. Okay, so I wanna point out just around this one perception, what's happening, right? You're perceiving in a particular way and then it's shaping and allowing something to emerge, a kind of world to emerge. Oh yeah, it feels like it's radiated out of my body. Yeah, this is allowing the the perception to come alive like this. Makes me feel the truth of perception. Interesting, yeah. Okay, so one other one. So again, I'm gonna repeat these again and again. Perception of time. Second one, or perception just around ease and relaxation of feeling in the body, allowing that to grow. And I combine this with like feeling like the wisdom of trees or plants, how they might be conveying things about samadhi, stillness, silence, groundedness, and then perceiving silence. We have time for this. Hope this isn't too much. We'll come back to these a little bit. Another way to play with perception is how we create ourselves. This is the cool thing about the teaching of not self. If, if there's truly not a fixed sense of self, right? there's no objective reality of a particular self, that means our sense of self is actually malleable and fluid. And I can harness the ability to perceive myself in a particular way to help support my spiritual practice. I wanna point out the Buddha had no problem with cultivating certain senses of the self. His teaching wasn't that there was something wrong with that. His teaching was, once you fixated into a single vision, suffering's gonna arise. There's a way to paint ourselves that can help deepen our practice. And to be clear, being clear what kind of self is there is really helpful because often What's happening in your meditation or your spiritual practice is there's a sense of self that's driving it that you're not aware of. 
And I think it's important to, if this is gonna be going on, to allow it to, to do it consciously. So what are some senses of selves that might inspire your practice? It could be, I'm a parent or a grandparent or a member of my community. And I have this vision of wanting to embody these qualities of this spiritual path for my community. That's actually a sense of self and that can be very inspiring. Or it could be a sense of oneself as a Dharma practitioner, someone devoted to the un organic unfolding of the Dharma through kind of this vessel of your heart and your body. Wow, I really wanna check out these aspects of Samadhi because I'm so devoted to this path. Or the notion that I can wake up, I can taste liberation. That, that's a kind of formation of a self, which the Buddha talks about. <laughs> It's really good because it inspires us. It doesn't mean you have to fixate it and see it as quote unquote real, but it can be so helpful. Or seeing oneself as a kind of researcher. That's what curiosity is all about, isn't it? How can I allow ease and relaxation to land in this body? How do I figure that out? How do I get a sense of that? I am the researcher who's gonna discover that for myself. What is the sense of your life that inspires you to explore this this morning? It doesn't mean that, that you have to fixate it. It's there to, to give energy to the practice. So again, samadhi unification of the mind, playing with perception around cultivating ease and relaxation and curiosity. Those are the heart of it. And yeah, if you wanna allow the attention to collect around walking or something like that, that's fine. But the emphasis is more on these, these primary conditions and in particular, playing with perception. Time, slowing down, ease and relaxation in the body, imagining it filling the body maybe trees, other beings sharing with you about the feeling of samadhi, listening to silence, hearing silence. And at times, maybe as we begin here, just cultivating this sense of, of a sense of your life for yourself that inspires you to explore this. And remember, the important word is play. So if you end up exploring this and you end up taking a nap for an hour, great. If you explore this and you're, you're not feeling any curiosity or no ease or new, no relaxation, great. How can that deepen your spiritual practice to be with difficulty? It's a really good experience to be in a first grade classroom where there's paint flying all over the place. I swear you'll learn a lot. Sometimes it just ends up, you end up having a day like that. And don't be concerned about the quantity 
of ease and relaxation and curiosity, just the quality. So it could be just be a moment of curiosity, a moment of ease, and then it's gone for the rest of the time. It's okay. So what we'll do now is we're going to, um, explore this for an hour and then we're going to come back at 10:40 for a sitting meditation i'll guide you through it uh at 10:40 a.m colorado uh new mexico time thank you for listening to learn how you can support the teachers and dharma seed please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.